You, you know, last night after service, I, I was driving away with my wife, and, and I was so frustrated because I, I just said to her, I go, gosh, you know, this passage has meant so much to me, you know, that I'm going to be teaching on today. And I, I go, it's meant so much to me, and I'm, I'm just so excited about what God's done in my life. And I, I was trying to convey that to the congregation, you know, last night. And I go, I just felt like everyone was just kind of giving me these blank stares, like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. And, and I just said, it's just so frustrating because I want them to see everything I see out of this passage. I want them to be so in love with God because of what He's done for us. And I don't feel like I moved them to that point. And, uh, and she looks at me and she says, well, it's because you can't, Francis. That's the Holy Spirit's role. And I go, oh, okay, you're so spiritual. But uh, no, <laughs> it was, it just, it, it just hit me because it was like, man, you're so right, you know. You, you want everyone to get it, you know, when, you, when you, you're just so excited. And part of it is just my communication. You can't get it across what's in your heart sometimes. So, I mean, knowing that she's just totally right. It's like no one can communicate God's love to you except for the Holy Spirit. And so I'm just going to ask you to just take 30 seconds right now. And would you just pray to God on your own and say, God, would you just open my eyes so I just totally get what this passage is about today? Would you just pray for yourself right now? God, you are just so good to us. And Lord, I just feel like I, man, I get more excited about you all the time. Like I'm more service, I'm more excited now than I was at 8 o'clock today. I mean, it just, your love is amazing, God. And I just want us all to get it and just be blown away by you. And really, when we say those words about what a beautiful one you are, God, that nothing on earth compares to you, I pray they're not just empty words, but that we really mean it. Lord, you're, you're everything to us. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you walked in today, you probably saw the lobby was pretty busy, pretty crazy with a bunch of booths and different ministries. And it's because this is the weekend where we're talking about service, talking about serving God. And, and I know what usually happens on these weekends. Usually you come and you go, oh, they want me to serve. That's one of the requires, requirements for, for membership. And, and, and during this weekend, usually a lot of people feel guilty, you know, going, ah, I don't serve enough. Okay, I'll go sign up for something. I'll help with the kids, whatever. And you guys, that's just the last thing we want. Okay, it's the absolute last thing we want is for you to leave here. Because I hear it all the time. People will come to me just whenever. People in the church, some of you, you'll come to me wherever we are and go, hey, I've been meaning to serve at the church. I just haven't found the time. I'm sorry. I'm going to get to it. It's like, hi. You know, I, I'm just, I, I, you just, it's just on your mind, like this guilt of I'm not doing enough for God. I want to I do something more. I want to, you know, accomplish something. I know as a member I should be serving. I'm not. And you guys... I don't want anyone to serve that way. It's, it's really meaningless. It's really pointless. It's, remember, remember a couple weeks ago the message I give, you know, where I was slapping that one guy? It's probably my favorite illustration. And, uh, you know, and I was just talking about how, you know, you, you don't just run from your sin, but you pursue love, you pursue sanctification. Remember the, the verse that we, we talked about was uh, Galatians 5.13, where it says, You were called to freedom. But in your freedom, do not indulge in the sinful desires. Rather, what? Does anyone remember? Serve one another in love. Good. You got it. 
serve one another in love. It doesn't just say, just serve one another, or just serve, just do something. No, it says, serve one another in love, and the, the, the conjunction, or the, the preposition, whatever it is, is supposed to be not just in, but through love. The whole idea, what is that? Is that a preposition? Through? Yeah. It's, it's actually through, and the word literally means through the channel of. Okay, so serve through the channel of love. In other words, because you so love someone, then you serve. You know how when you're just totally in love with someone, you don't mind serving them? You know, it's not like a chore. It's like something you want to do. And that's what that verse is saying. It says to serve one another through this channel of love or because you are so in love with them. See, that's why we, I don't want you to walk out of here and go, okay, you know, I'll, I'll go help take care of the kids. We don't want you to go take care of the kids. I don't want you watching my kids if you're just going to go take care of them. The whole idea is, is that you would actually love the kids and say, you know what? I see like hundreds of children over there every week in a classroom and I actually have a burden for them. I actually care about them. I'm concerned about their future. I'm concerned about all these you know, different messages they get at, at school from their different friends. And, and maybe I could be of some help if I prayed for them during the week. And maybe if I came with a lesson and just kind of taught them you know, some positive teachings and some things that God wants of them. And I, and, and I care about their future, so I want to serve them. That's what we're looking for. For you to look at the 5th and 6th graders or the junior high students and go, you know, that was such a weird time in my life and such a transitional period. And, man, I see those kids and I just wonder what's going on in their mind and I'm wondering if I could help somehow. And I'd love to just care for them and pray for them and maybe be an example, a, a big brother, a big sister, but to actually love and go, you know, so can I help? That's what we're looking for. For you go, oh, those high school students. High school was such a transitional year in my life. That's when I kind of shaped what I was going to become. And so maybe I can guide someone through that. See, it's about actually loving and caring for these individuals and saying, you know, I actually care about those kids. I actually care about those teens. You know, this week we're starting a bunch of uh, sermon-based small groups where, where you know, those, those, a lot of us in, in this room, we're getting together in these little small groups midweek, just at someone's house, you know, with like, you know, 10, 15 other people. And we just discuss what was talked about on Sunday morning and how we're going to apply it to our lives and, uh, and to pray for each other and just find out what's going on in each other's lives, serve each other. And if you're leading one of those groups, I hope you're not doing it just because oh, I need to serve somewhere, so let me, uh, I'll take a small group. You know, but that you actually care and love the people in your group. And you're actually going to live life with them and say, you know, I just want to be there if they need someone. I want to help teach them somehow, lead them, serve them in love. Okay? So please, if you leave here feeling guilty like you should serve, don't do it. Okay? This is, this is just out of love. Otherwise, there's, there's, there's no reward for it. Obligation. Monday was Valentine's Day. Okay? And Sunday night, okay, Sunday night we're at dinner, me and uh, my wife and... Uh, and a few other couples were at dinner at this, this couple's house, Gene and Sandra. And uh, as we were off in one of the rooms, you know, a few of us were talking, and Sandra made a comment about, oh, yeah, you know, Thanksgiving, I mean, uh, Valentine's Day. And I went, oh, Valentine's Day. And she goes, you forgot? I go, I didn't forget. I just, I haven't, uh, you know, planned anything for tomorrow morning, you know. And, um, and she goes, well, I've got extra cards. And I was like, can you get me one? You know, 
And so she goes back to the room and gets the card, sneaks it out to me. I stick it in my shirt, tuck it, you know, and I go, come on, honey, let's go, you know. And, uh, you know, and Lisa knew nothing about it. I was so excited. I was like, oh, good, she saved me, you know. And so I get home, and Lisa was off, you know, doing something. And so I hurry up and wrote this note. And then I woke up early in the morning, you know, because I had to leave. And like 6 a.m. I went, I thought, I put it on the kitchen table. I thought, ah, it looks so boring. I didn't get any flowers, so I run out in the garden, you know, cut a rose, shake all the bugs off, spray it down, and, and put it, you know, lay it there on the kitchen table. And I thought, wow, look at that. That looks really good. It looks like I care. And I put like a card and a flower, and I just left there that morning thinking, man, that was so easy. I totally took care of Valentine's Day. I even came to work and I was bragging about it. Like, it didn't even cost me anything. I was so fired up. You know, and, and I did think about, you know, maybe that night we'll go out to dinner or something like that, and we had talked about it. But, but you know, it was one of those days where, like, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., it was just nonstop. It was just, ah, oh, boom, 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 boom. So I didn't have time to get a sitter or whatever. And I get home, and, you know, I see my wife. I go, hey, happy Valentine's Day. We've got to sit around. She goes, so what are we doing? I was like, well, yeah, I, I didn't have time to get a sitter, you know. Maybe you could call someone. or You know, it's just a dumb statement. Anyways. She goes, oh, well, it's kind of late now. It's like 6, 6.30. Who's going to want to come over? She goes, I'll just make a sandwich. And so she makes herself a sandwich. And we're sitting on the couch. And then she looks at me. She goes, you know, um, that card you got me, that's from Costco. And it comes in those packets. And I saw one of those boxes at Sandra's house. She goes, did you get that from Sandra? I'm like, think of all the money I saved. And so we're sitting on the couch, she's eating the sandwich she made for herself, talking about the card that I got for free from a friend, and uh, that's obligation. That's, you know, that's just like, okay, I took care of it, I got, you know, it was meaningless, to it was pointless. I was just trying to get something done because I knew I was supposed to. You guys are looking at me like a total loser, okay, and I, I was, okay, but less, I know, I know, okay, but, okay. Lest you think that's just my pattern. Um, last month, let me contrast, okay? Last month, January, was our 11-year anniversary. And I actually thought about it like a month ahead of time. I knew our anniversary was coming, and here's the deal. I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? She's been such an amazing wife, and for 11 years, it just seems like it's gotten better and better, and I just really thought, I really love her, and I want to do something so special for her. And I thought, okay, what does she want? What, what does she like? And I, and I remember she wanted a CD player in her car, and I thought, okay, I'll pretend I've got to fix the car, and I'll put a CD player in there, surprise her. And then I thought, you know what? I just want to do something so personal, and start writing down some different thoughts, you know, feelings I had and things we've experienced over the last 11 years and, uh, and I ended up writing a rap and I went to a studio and recorded myself and I thought this will be so cool I'll have the CD player we'll be sitting there you know say hey you know happy anniversary and then uh, you guys want to hear part of it okay I'll play just a little bar, a bit of it um, but uh, you know so we're sitting there and I go hey happy anniversary the CD player's all excited and then this comes on anniversary baby it's been 11 years and you still got it going on I don't know how you did it but it seemed like you just kept getting better and better every year you make me love you more want you more need you more this is for you this is to my 
my hottie who's never looking shoddy. Three kids later still got a hard body. You're more than a mommy out buying salami and coke, licorice rope, soaps, and wasabi. Nah, you're my queen, the woman of my dreams. Prettiest girl I've ever seen or known. Got you to my own, makes me wanna moan. Nah, Lisa. Lisa, you're my honey. You may not be that funny, but you love me though. I don't got much money. You're like Proverbs 31 and then some. I lost my hair, you didn't care, you still call me handsome. I can't sing. Watch your tiny ring with not much bling. Still, you treat me like a king. What a dream to be on your team. So much crop in this world, but you're the cream. Ain't no woman like the one I got. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Didn't know a path is why I could be so hot. If you were handsome. Okay, alright. So I'm not a total loser husband, okay? But but you see how it was so cool to sit in the van, you know, surprise her with a CD player, then put that in, and she's, you know, just sitting next to me, just two of us, she's just laughing her head off, then by the end of the rest, you know, she just starts crying, just bawling her eyes out, and, and it was just such an awesome moment, because I had so poured my heart into something, and, and it was just all about our relationship, all about our lives, you know, and all about the kids, you know, put it all in the song, and you know, it's just so much of my heart, and I love presenting it to her. You see how that's so different from Valentine's Day, you know, where I just thought, well, let me just take care of it. Let me just kind of figure out some way to get through this holiday and make her happy. You know, how one was just totally pointless and the other was my whole heart. See, in the same way, it's, it's meaningless when we just go, well, I should serve God. Okay, let me just get it over with and do something. You know, versus saying, God, I just, I'm crazy about you. I love you and you've given me giftedness and, and let me use everything that I am and all of my experience that I've been through with you and somehow package that and use that to serve you with it and present something to you. That's why we don't ever want you to go, oh, you know, the offering plate's coming around. Let me, let me throw a couple bucks in because, you know, that guy next to me did. Guys, that's just meaningless. It's just absolutely pointless. Don't even do it. It should be something where you come and you're excited and you go, you know, I've thought this through, God. You're, you're worth so much to me. And so it's my time, my passion, my effort, my finances, whatever it is, it's like, God, because I'm crazy about you and you're so good to me and that's what's meaningful. So when we serve one another in love, when we serve God out of love, there's this passage in Ephesians 2 I want us to look at because, uh, man, it's, it's just got me so fired up again about serving God and about what this is all about because, to be honest with you, I don't think a month goes by where I, I don't think about quitting you know, and you just go, gosh, there's just too much. I mean, I know a lot of you that serve in the church. There's just, there's just times when you're just like, there's enough things in my life. Let me just, uh, you know, stop. And then every once in a while, God will take you somewhere and remind you about what a joy it is to serve. And you realize, what else am I going to do with my life? You know what, am I going to just waste my life just doing other things? I'm here to serve God and the fulfillment, the joy. And that's what this passage just brings back to us. He starts in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And he says to the people, he goes, As for you, he says, you were dead. Okay, think about that. You were dead. You, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature 
and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Let's just stop there. I mean, it's, it's kind of a downer at first where he's, where he's reminding us. He goes, do you guys remember where you were? He goes, remember that time when you were just dead? You were just dead in your, your sins. Like, like you were like this zombie. He says, you just follow the pattern of the world. You follow the ways of the world. You just kind of go, okay, that's what everyone's doing. Let me just walk in this direction. You know, everyone's living this way. Everyone's doing this. And, and he says, you were dead. You were just heading in that way. And he says, you were just gratifying your sinful nature. Whatever felt good, whatever felt good at the moment, like, well, this seems like it'd be a fun thing to do. Let me do that. And you just kind of live life that way. He says, not only did you follow the ways of the world, but that's what, right afterwards what, what's intense. He says, you follow the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He says, you weren't just following the world when you did that. You were following another ruler. You were following Satan. That's a pretty intense thought. I mean, because no one wants to think that way. We go, well, I wasn't following Satan. I didn't think, hey, I want to follow Satan. No, you just thought, well, I was just kind of cruising through life. I was just living life. But, but the truth is, is how many kingdoms are there in the world? There's God's kingdom. There's Satan's kingdom. You think of any others? That's pretty much it. it, it I mean, well, what is there? You're either following God or you're following Satan. And he's explaining that passage that if you just follow the flow of the world, who do you think leads them that way? to go indulge in your sinful desires. Who do you think is leading that kingdom? It's not God. It's one or the other. And he says, and that's where you were. You were just like this, this dead person, just kind of, you know, in this trance, heading down in this direction, just following whatever felt fun, you know, whatever your, your sinful desires wanted. You just thought, oh, I crave that, so let me do that. That looks enticing. Let me pursue that. He, he says, like the rest, at the end of verse 3, that's where it's intense. He's like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Because do you remember that? That there was a time when you were an object of wrath. He says, you know, you take this to the end. Here you are, you know, just following the world, doing whatever seems fun, and you're following Satan. He goes, guess what's going to happen at the end? At the end, you would have faced God, and God would have looked at your life and said, look, you broke this command, this command, this command, this... You've done all these things that are offensive to me. I have to punish you. And we would have been punished by God. An object of punishment or an object of wrath. That's what we're headed toward. That's pretty miserable. Jesus, do you remember that? When you just lived for yourself and you really weren't living for yourself, you were following the world. And you weren't just following the world. Basically, you were following Satan. And the end of your life, he was going to just say, okay, have you obeyed my commands? And he'd go one right down the line. And you just thought, man, I've broken that, broken that, broken that, broken that. I deserve punishment. That was your life. That was you. Paul reminds them. But then in verse 4, it's so beautiful. Because he says, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
So he says, here you are, you're, you're headed for punishment. He goes, but at that moment, guess what happens? He says, but God, for no other reason, for no other reason, because it's not like you were pleasing to him. He goes, oh, what a good person. No, he says, you were dead in your sins. You were just like the zombie, just doing everything that God hated. And just, but for the only sole reason of his love, he just thought, no, I'm going to show incredible love to this person. And not only am I going to forgive you of your sins and give you new life, he goes, but I'm going to seat you in the heavenly places with Christ. And it says it's all because of His grace. That, that, that just because of the goodness of God, just because, you guys know what grace is? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is when, when someone gives you something that you didn't earn, you didn't deserve. God says, here you were, you are headed down there. And, and God in heaven looked at you and said, but I love you. And I want to show off my grace. And I'm not, I'm not just going to pull you out of the punishment by my mercy, but I'm going to seat you in the heavenly places and, and just blow you away by the riches I'm about to give you. Now, why is he doing that? Why would he put you in this heavenly spot? It says there in verse 7, I love this. Why is he giving you a place in heaven? Verse 7, in order that, in order that, in the coming ages, He might show the incomparable riches of His grace. Why is He doing this? Do you get it? The whole purpose of God taking you through this journey, down and then pulling you all the way up and saying, you know, I'm giving you a place in heaven. He goes, in order that, someday, in the coming ages, He could show off just how much He was going to give you. Does this, does this make sense to you? You see, do you know why God made me? Do you understand why God created Francis Chan? The whole reason He made me was that He could show off how much He could give to one person. So that one day, when I'm in heaven, He says, He can show off His grace and say, look, look what I'm about to give this guy. Just because of my grace, he didn't earn it. He didn't do anything for it. But So that everyone would be blown away by God and say, wait a second, you're taking him, the guy I knew him, and I knew where his life was headed, and I knew what he was doing, I knew the awful sins of his life. And you're going to take a guy like that who rejected you, who sinned against you, who broke all your commands, you're going to take him, forgive him of his sins through Jesus, and then now you're going to shower him with all of these riches? And God says, yeah, do you see my incomparable grace? Have you ever seen anyone give someone so undeserving so many riches? You haven't, have you? That's because no one's grace compares to mine. And it's like, what an amazing thought. I was created for the sole purpose that God could show off His grace in me. That God could just show the world, look how giving I am. That's why I exist so I can be an object of His grace. Isn't that an amazing thought? That the whole reason why you're alive right now, for those of you who believe in Jesus, do you know why you're alive? It's because one day, He says in, in the age to come, in the ages to come, He's going to show off how much He's going to give you. And that's why Paul says earlier in, in chapter 1, he goes, man, I pray that your eyes would be opened, that you'd be enlightened, that your, the eyes of your heart would be opened so you could just understand and see that hope of the riches that are ours. I mean, if you would stop looking at the things of the world, you would just go, man, that's, just, that's all stupid. 
I mean, who cares about things here on this earth? We've got these riches that he says are incomparable because he wants to show off his grace. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait till he just says, and look what I'm about to give you. And he makes it so clear in those verses that, that most of us know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the next verses. And he says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. He says, you understand this is all a gift? It's God's grace, Him giving you what you don't deserve. And he says, He does this, why? So we can't boast. You see, because if it was a thing where I was right now working my way to heaven, and I'm going, oh man, I, I gave to the poor, you know, I travel overseas, you know, to, you know and help the poorest of the poor, I, I counsel people, I love people, I care for people, and therefore, man, I'm going to have this treasure in heaven because everything... He says, no way, you could never earn that. God's going to give me so much that everyone's going to look at me and go, okay, there's no way he could have earned that himself. That's just an amazing gift. You see, because if I earned it all, then I could brag. Then I'd get to heaven and say, you guys, look at what I did for myself. Remember when I was on the earth slaving away? This is what I did. And God says, no, you didn't earn any of this. He goes, this was not by works. He goes, it's a free gift so that you can't boast. So no one in this room can say, oh, I went to heaven because I was so good and I did all these good works. He goes, no, I don't want any of that in heaven. It's all going to be about my grace and I'm going to give you so, so much incomparable grace, incomparable riches so everyone will know it's all about me, the giver. And you just go, man, what an amazing life we live, isn't it? <laughs> it's like I'm totally created so that God can shower His grace on me. That's just intense. That's just amazing. And, and it's after he explains all of that, then he says in verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see that? It's after he explains all of the grace and everything that's been given to us that he says, Hey, and now I want you to understand, you were created to do good works. You weren't created just to work a job. You weren't created just to survive life. He goes, man, He made you, not just for all these riches you're going to get, but right now, He has some works for us to do. Good works, which He prepared beforehand. Like before I was even created, before God even made me, He had things for me to do on this earth. And that's an awesome thought. It's like, okay, here's, here's Francis. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go. You're going to follow your own desires like everyone else does. Everyone lives for themselves. You know, and they start following the ways of the world, which is really following Satan. And he goes, and then I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to show you my grace and show you that through my son and what we did in communion, that by his blood, you're going to be forgiven of all of those crimes. And not only that, but, but I'm going to seat you in the heavenly places and you're going to have so many riches and everything blown away by how much I give you. No way. And he goes, not only that, but on this earth, while you're here, there are things for you to do. I gave you a task to do, and I gave you this incredible power so that you can do these gifts. You can do these, these works. You were made for this. And so it's like, wow. So now I get to serve this incredible king who's done so much for me. But do you see how there's no sort of guilt or obligation in here? I mean, does this seem like just this downer passage of, oh, okay, great, that means he expects me to serve. No, it's, it's not about that. It's about, God, this is my whole life. You just saved me from your wrath 
And one day you're going to show off your grace by pouring out blessings on me. And right now, I get to serve you. I get to use these gifts. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says to each one, that means to each one in here, each person in this room who believes in Jesus Christ, to each one was given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each, to each person, to each individual in here, you were given some sort of gift by the power of the Holy Spirit, some unique gift where you can do things that I can't do. And he says the whole purpose of that, he says, is for the common good. So God's given me some supernatural ability. I believe mine is teaching. You know, in front of people, to somehow teach in a way that, that it's like, wow, it's, it's, this is not a normal guy up there. That somehow when I speak that there's power and that, that it actually convicts people's hearts and their lives actually change. And I'm supposed to use this gift for everyone's good. You know, I, I mean, even as I, I thought about it this week, I thought, okay, well, what's, what's my part in the body this week? How am I supposed to love these people in this room? And the whole idea is, is that somehow through this teaching, through God's words, that I would convince you that this is what your life is about. That, that I've just been praying that you don't waste your life while you're here on this earth and, and just go do what you need to do. And, and I, I, I love, I mean, I just love getting to know some of you who, you, you work your job during the day, but that's not your identity, is it? You just kind of do it. It's just what you got to do to get by. But you exist to serve God. You know, man, my, my whole existence is for Him. That's, that's the point of it. That's just a job. And there's just tasks. There's just things I have to do. But my existence is for God because He's been so good. So, again, I, I don't want anyone leaving here and saying, all right, let me go fulfill my duty. You know, none of the elders, we don't, we don't want you to serve that way. We want you to see what a great God you have and what an honor it is to use your God-given talents and abilities to serve each other in love. And that's when you get excited. Just like that gift to my wife. Man, it was so fun using everything that I was and giving that to her. And that's what it is to serve God. It is, so, it is such a blast. The Bible says just taste. Just taste and see that the Lord is good. Just, just get a glimpse of this. It is so cool using what God's given you to serve Him. I, I want to introduce you to someone. A lot of you guys already know him. Um, Mike... Um, Mike Cratch, where's, where's the microphone? Speaking of mics. Um, okay, there it is. A lot of you guys know Mike and Jennifer uh, Cratch and their family. Mike's been a Christian for about six years or so, um, a little over six years. And shortly after he became a believer, you know, he, he was here at church and he heard a message about going out and telling the world about Jesus, going to lost people, people in uh, Papua New Guinea who we don't even know their languages no one knows their languages they have no written language but to go to these people who've never heard of Jesus and try to learn their language and then tell them about Jesus and so for the last five and a half years he and his wife have been in training um, to prepare to go to a tribe that no one's ever spoken to the last five and a half years they've been pouring their heart into this and they leave on Wednesday so this is huge. They've been learning how to figure out languages. They've been learning how to live off of the land, learning how to communicate to, to, to unknown people groups. And uh, his wife's been uh, learning more about nursing and, and being a doctor. And, uh, and this is huge. On Wednesday, he and their family are, uh, are heading out. And so I asked Mike to just kind of share with us um, just his final thoughts. 
Thanks. Um, actually, Jennifer, why don't you and the kids come up here too? That'd be better. Um, well, like you said, we have. We've been uh, getting ready to do this for five and a half years since we first decided to do that. I, leaving Wednesday, I, I just can't even believe it. It's, it's incredible. Um, but let me introduce you to my family real quick. This is my oldest son, Michael. And uh, this is Mason here. And our youngest, Matthew. And, of course, my wife, Jennifer. But um, we did. We wanted to take a minute as a family and, and just to say thank you and, in a sense, to say goodbye. Um, but we um, probably have been the recipients of more grace and generosity from this church than you could imagine um, any church ever giving some missionaries. And you know what? Not even missionaries. Young baby believers who wanted to go to school to do something just so crazy and kind of carried us through this time. So I wanted to say thank you. And I... Just to share my heart a little bit, um, I really struggle to convey what, I, what it is I wanted to say. We, we no longer need any one thing. Um, it's not about that. But what we do need, honestly, is we need for you to know and to understand how dependent we are on our, on our church, on our spiritual family, on the body here at Cornerstone. And uh, we got to ask you just flat out to hold our hands through, through some pretty rough years and to not let go. This isn't this isn't going to be a cakewalk for us. This is going to be pretty rough. It's going to be some tough times. So we're basically asking you to abide with us through that. Um, you guys get some awesome speakers that come here, um, teach, lay a challenge, share what they've done, and move on, and, and we learn from that and whatnot. But we're not one of them. We're actually one of you. Um, and uh, we, we just we need you to understand that. This can't be something that our church once did. This is something that our church is doing um, and uh, just the whole out of sight, out of mind thing, quite frankly, scares us a lot. So we're, in a sense, uh, just up here um, asking you not to not to leave us hanging out there. Um, and uh, I think of how the Apostle Paul, um, he describes Christians as the, the body of Christ. And we might have a tendency to look at that maybe as a corporate body, like Pepsi versus Coke. I'm a Pepsi guy, and we're... And we're going to take on Coke this year, right, or something. But no, it's actually a far more literal body than I think we realize. And without the body in motion, we're like amputated hands out there. We are just done. And the best part illustration maybe would be like the, the war in Iraq. I mean, if the guys aren't behind the scenes keeping people on the front lines, those soldiers are dead. They're going to die out there. And so just a reminder there, and um, probably the uh, most important aspect of that would be to ask you to pray and pray for us through this. And I'm reminded why. In Ephesians 6.12, Paul says that, uh, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I don't know how else we battle that as believers, other than he goes on about what we need to do with the full armor of God, but it is your prayers, actually, that will penetrate that darkness. And guys, we're going there to see that Jesus Christ is given his rightful place amongst these tribes. He, died, he deserves their praise, their worship, their repentance. He deserves to be the King, and kings, the king of kings and Lord of lords through his creation. And that, as a body, that is our job, to see that that gets done. And I don't think Satan is going to say, oh, the crashes are here. He's going to go after us, after our marriage, after everything we've got that qualifies us to do this. Um, and we've we got to stand fast in that, and we have to either stand with it. These people have been tangled in his web of lies and deceit for thousands of years, and we're going to try and penetrate it as, 
it's not going to be easy. I hope I'm, I'm struggling to communicate that, but I hope you're getting the gist of what I'm saying here. And we just, you know, we sung today about the blood of Jesus. Just a final thought here. And uh, that, that blood is, is what satisfied God's wrath for you. We understand that. We appreciate that. And we trust in that blood. But 1 John 2, 2 tells us that that sacrifice of atonement was for your sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. And it's just a reminder. He has paid the price. The sacrifice has been made. The, the payment's been made. It's a done deal. They need only a messenger to come and tell them. They need to, to understand and to believe for sure. Um, and that is our goal. And we just, again, want to thank you and ask you to, to go with us, in a sense. Thank you. Thank I didn't want to make this just like a quick announcement at the end of a service because we're talking about the life of, the, you know, this is a big part of our body. This is, this is probably the biggest thing we've done as a church. Um, this is so, so huge. I mean, this isn't like they're going to go over, learn the language in two weeks and share the gospel, come back in a few months and say, hey, we want to try to the Lord. I mean, it's probably going to take about 15 years. I mean, do you know how, I mean, it's just so crazy to go into a, a, a tribe that you can't even say hi to them just to find out word for word, figuring this all out, and to love them and train them and disciple them, you know, tell them about the Word of God and then train up leaders so that they can carry on the church and then possibly even translate the New Testament into their language. I mean, it's, you know, Mike was saying at the first service, it's probably going to be like a 15-year process and, uh, and they probably won't be back on furlough for another four years um, just to tell us how things are going and give us a report. And I mean, imagine if you were going. Okay, how would you want the people to pray for you? You don't just close your eyes and survive a prayer. I mean, like he says, it's like that illustration. If it's like he's like the hand, one of our hands out in this place, and if we just cut ourselves out, off from him, they're like amputated hands and feet out there. It's just, it's just pointless. It's the time where in the Bible it talks about when a, a body of Christ, a church, would send a, a people off to do something. You see in the Book of Acts they would come and lay their hands on them and it was like this church as a body together would come before God and say, gosh, we are all in unity asking your blessing upon their lives.